You're listening to DraftKings Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Episode of Darth Amin's Rule of Two. I am Darth Amin, your Sith Lord. I'm joined as always by my apprentice, Darth Corn Puzzle, aka Anthony Mays. This is the show where we review everything Star Wars that's out there. Shout out to the Bad Batch for ending last week and making my viewing process a lot easier this week. We're reviewing The Mandalorian, Episode 6. There's only two episodes left. Should we get to the point? No. no. Let's just have another silly-ass episode. The <laughs> biggest sidetrack of the season so far. Oh, and you know what makes sidetracks even sidetrackier? Ooh, can we get Lizzo in here with her non-acting ass? I had a feeling you'd be a fan oh. of the Lizzo cameo. Can we get Jack Black in the role of Jack Black? Captain Bombardier. Can we get... Christopher Lloyd, whose ears, have they always been that big? Are those prosthetics? Oh, no. What's happening here? I don't like when you talk about ears. Yeah, you know what that means. <laughs> Supercharging. It means they're because that's God's cruel joke. Let's just jump right into it. No need for formalities or pleasantries. You only had three episodes left in the season. Now, after this one, you have two episodes left. I didn't say it has to be an eight-episode season. You said that, John Favreau. Ah. <sighs> This whole episode was such a mind The sidetrack to begin it and to end it with the pissiest little loophole ever. Yeah, I did kind of enjoy the detective journey that they went on on Plazier 15 here with all the droids. I thought that was cool as an aside. But having checked off this chapter 22, the sixth episode of this season... I believe more than ever my theory that we hit the apex with the Luke Skywalker end of season two, that is reinforced. I don't think the show is ever going to deliver a moment like that ever again. On one level, it could never. That was a crescendo, even if this season was excellent. Yeah. It's just hard to live up to that. If you remember that season, of course, began with... New Mandalorians, we see Bo-Katan. Oh, Bo-Katan makes a leap. And then later on, we see Ahsoka Tano. And like, oh, Ahsoka made the leap. And then you end it with everything going wrong and Luke Skywalker coming to save the day. Truth be told, they probably should have ended the series there. Not because there are no more stories to be told or whatever, but you'll never be as good as that. 
you'll never reach that perfect of a loop of a story being told in season one, episode one of finding this precocious child to season two, episode eight, delivering it to the person who should be delivered, right? The quest is complete. But then there still is the case of Mandalore. Mandalore is poisoned and he's got the dark saber and there's a compelling story to be told. It was not going to ever be as good as the end of season two, but Maze seems like at every step, it's, all right, we're going to tell this story. All right, we're going to get sidetracked. Oh, shit. Remember that story? Ah, let's just resolve it very quickly. So it started with, I need a droid in order to be able to do this because it's toxic and, and I don't trust droids. I trust this one. Well, this one doesn't work. Oh, okay, here we go. Okay, so we're going to get a season-long arc about trying to rebuild destroyed. Nah. Nope. Let's just resolve it real quick. Here, take this crappy droid. This coward. Okay. And then it doesn't even do its job. Yeah. Oh, you don't even need it? Oh, just use your helmet. Well, we're going to go back to Mandalore. We're on Mandalore. Oh, my God. And we got to bathe ourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Is that going to be full of intrigue and obstacles and poison? No. Get it done by the end of the episode. Also, Bo-Katan still needs this Darksaber because she's dealing with whatever she's dealing. Everyone's abandoned or whatever. Is it going to lead to the inevitable crescendo of she's got to fight Din Djarin, whether she likes it or not? You know, we talked about this last episode. What would be a way to make Din fight her? Mm-hmm. You got to try to kill the kid. Nope. Just get a technicality. And it's hers now. Look, man, I've been locked in on this Darksaber thing since this season started. I've brought it up every episode. I'm asking you questions about it. I'm saying, why don't they talk about it? What's going on? Why is nobody mentioning the Darksaber in the room? And here we go. Let's finally talk about it in this episode. And we're going to use the events of episode two of this season backfill it and explain it to a bunch of people who weren't there and they're just going to take our word for it yeah hey sky tried to kill me and i was captured i lost it but she picked it up and beat the guy who beat me ipso facto we didn't talk about it at the time i just took it back yeah but it belongs to her now does that seem legit to you yeah it totally seems legit they keep making fun of the children of the watch for being zealots and believing these weird things. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, but that sword, shit. But that's Excalibur. <laughs> Who am I to doubt? We believe in the power of a sword, not these silly rituals. It didn't have to be this way. I think that's the disappointing part. They're killing time. They're filling and killing time. This all could have been way more concise. They could have talked about things more. They're dragging it out. For only eight episodes, though. But here's the weird thing. They could drag it out with meaningful stuff, not side stuff. And then, oh, yeah, remember that thing? Yeah, we'll just get this resolved in five minutes. It might have been Star Wars Theory that talked about this. But what they should have done was everything that they used as filler for Book of Boba Fett that was really just The Mandalorian Season 2 and a half. That should have been Mandalorian Season 3. And then you should have taken the meaningful parts of this season and thrown it to the end. And boom, there's your third season. Dealing with the separation from Grogu. Yeah. Learning how to use a Darksaber, but realizing, man, I'm not the guy for this. Finally getting the Mandalore. That's how you should have done it. 
The problem is they blew their wad trying to make Book of Boba Fett palatable. Yeah, it really ended up hurting both shows. Yeah. Because when we talked about Book of Boba Fett, we said, well, we don't really know how to factor these two episodes into this show. So I don't think we gave it credit for that then. We still don't because it was wholly unrelated. And then now it's season three and we're not going to give it credit for that. So what do we do? It was so unnecessary, but... I digress. I guess let's talk about this episode. Just real quick, I mean, and it's reflected in the viewership. There's reports that according to the Nielsen streaming ratings, which of course are not 100% accurate, but there's been a 40% drop from the season two finale to the season three premiere. Not to mention there's a two-year gap there. Yeah. And also, Ryan Aries said this, if you're someone who's not into Star Wars, but got sucked in by The Mandalorian, chances are you didn't tune in for Book of Boba Fett. Because you don't know nor don't care about that. That's legacy Star Wars. So you come back for Mandalorian Season 3. Wait a second. Last time I saw these guys, Grogu went with Luke Skywalker. How's he back here now? And the effort to go back and watch another television series, which, by the way, there were only two episodes in there that you actually cared about. But how would you know if they told you, oh, this happened in Book of Boba Fett? It made it hard on the viewers who don't like Star Wars, right? Who were here just for baby Grogu. Let me get that Grogu baby Yoda action in my life. He's cute when he eats snacks, and that's what I want. Mandalorian episode six. We only got two more episodes after this. We start off on a Quarren ship, and I think that's the first time I've ever seen a Quarren ship. The tube of water that the captain was suspended in was pretty cool, and the way that it descended down into the ground. Yep. I like that effect. As soon as I saw the Quarren, I said, Quarren, these guys are always assholes. And, goes to show, I was being prejudicial there, Mm. stereotyping. These Quarren are actually cool. They're on their way to Trask. Trask is that planet in the Mon Cala system. Mon Calamari system that we saw in episode one of season two. The frog queen and he's transporting the tadpoles and Grogu wants to eat them. Yep. All of that stuff. And we meet some corn pirates. Remember when we talked about this on Bad Batch a few weeks ago, is this the first time we've ever seen an actual boat, a water boat that doesn't hover in Star Wars? And then we remembered, no, there was the ship of corn that was supposed to take Din to go see some Jedi, but obviously he got swindled and hoodwinked. That's also where we saw Bo-Katan for the first time. So they get pulled over by an Imperial starship, and they apologize very quickly. They didn't know there were any warlords here. They happily pay for protection, which is bribing them to allow them to operate in this airspace. But it's not imps on the ship. It's Mandalorians, and it's Bo-Katan's Mandalorians. Axe-Woves running... Through the six with X wolves. Jesus. <laughs> That's all I could think of every time they said his name. <laughs> I was running through the six with X wolves. And Sasha Banks, Costco Reeves. Costco Reeves, I'll call her Costco. <laughs> You're really bringing it today. Yep. They let us know that they're cell swords, as they call them in Game of Thrones. They're mercenaries. They're just doing their job. They're supposed to recover. A missing Mon Cala prince. Price is high, but we are very good at what we do. Yeah, and the Quarren's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We haven't done anything like that since we declared peace, right? There was a long-standing war. So the Mon Calamari, who are like Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. And the Quarren, 
are both from the same planet, but they're beefing. This is something that happens a lot in Star Wars, where you get two main species, dominant species on one planet. These don't get along. If you remember Naboo, Jar Jar Binks, and the Gunthans didn't really get along with the humans, Padme and Palpatine and the rest of them. The Jedi had to kind of declare a truce between them. Same thing going on on Mon Calamari, the Mon Cala and the Quarren don't really get along, but apparently they struck some peace, and there isn't no war, so we don't do that type of shit, says the Quarren. Then the Mandalorian said, I say nothing about war, and we find out that he wasn't abducted. He ran away because we got some good old-fashioned Mon Calamari jungle fever, Maze. Well, okay. The more obvious connection would be Romeo and Juliet star-crossed lovers between the warring factions of species here, but... The voices. So did you recognize the Quarren captain's voice? I did not recognize anyone's voice. I tried to, and then I read the credits afterwards I was on screen, and I didn't recognize any of the credits there either. I thought she sounded like Rachel Weiss, hmm. but it was Christine Adams from Black Lightning. And then the Mon Calamari was Harry Holland, Tom Holland's little brother. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. How about that? Now, here's the Easter egg I did pick up on, Maze. In season one, when Din goes to the pub to meet with Grief Karga for more work, Grief Karga hands him a puck. The bounty is a young royal who has skipped town. I believe that this is one and the same. That guy's been missing for a long time. For three years, pretty much. Yeah. As the kid is getting taken away, first of all, we get a little... Kiss, kiss action. Yeah, that reminded me of The Last of Us when Tess gets the cordyceps kiss. His lover tells him she's not ready to sacrifice everything for what she calls a youthful fling. And mm. he's so hurt. He's like, oh. <laughs> it's so funny how hurt he is. As he's being whisked away, he says, I thought Mandalorians were honorable. And Costco says, we are, kid. All it takes is a few credits. Ho-ho! Roll the credits. Ta-da! Din Djarin and Bokatan on Bokatan's ship, and they're going to this planet where they believe the rest of her cohort of Mandalorians is at. As they're landing, we get this automated message that says, Welcome to Plazier 15, the Outer Rim's only direct democracy. They engage a tractor beam, and one of the funniest things I saw this week, I mean, was this very angry man writing this whole article about how this is the most offensive thing to introduce to Star Wars since the Admiral Holdo maneuver. And he was so angry because if anybody had a tractor beam, then they could have just used it to catch Princess Leia, blah, blah, blah. Guys, we've seen tractor beams before. This is not a new thing. It's fine. We saw in the original trilogy. Yes, I know. They got sucked into the Death Star by a tractor beam. What are you talking about? It's well known. It's not new. And this guy was really, really getting his pitchforks out, his tiki torches out to come after Favreau. And it just made me laugh. Dumbass. All right. Anyways, they get pulled in by a tractor beam, sucked on. They get out. There's some Imperial droids. This is basically run by former Imperials. Yes, it's experienced a renaissance. I liked this because it looked like a matte black version of yes. C-3PO and R2-D2. You got the astromech and the protocol droid. It reminded me of the BB-8 Imperial version that was 
unveiled prior to the release of The Rise of Skywalker, and we're like, oh, my God, an Imperial BBA, what's it going to... And it was literally just showed up in one scene, and that was it. It was so inconsequential. Mm-hmm. They go into these tubes like a subway. They got to show their chain codes. They reveal who they are. Yada, yada, yada. They get to the main palace, and they walk in, and it's like a banquet hall. And there's flute music playing. You hear their voices before you actually see them. And I heard that voice, and I said, oh, God, it's Jack Black, and he's quirky. His beard looked amazing. His beard did look amazing. I loved what he was doing. I always love what he's doing. I think it's his actual beard, too. Oh, yeah, that's definitely his actual beard. They just styled it. Jack Black, and then I saw who his wife is, and it's Lizzo. And I said, dear God. And then she started talking, and I wrote, ass on for Lizzo. Oh. They're drinking from this very strange... Secretions. Secretions from this tank with a creature swimming in it, and they've all got nozzles like it's a hookah. Yep. It's like hookah punch. Yep. Gross. Very gross. I'm passing on that. They explain to the Mandalorians, hey... We'll let you meet our Mandalorians who are our personal security on this planet because we don't have an army because I'm a former Imperial. And we see he's wearing the little pin from the amnesty program. And so he's reformed and everything. But as a result, since he's a former Imperial, they're not allowed to have a military anymore. So they don't have a military on this planet. So they use the Mandalorians as privateers, which comes from the old pirate days, maze. Privateers were pirates that people hired. As security. Yes, there's also a mention that their security doesn't have blasters, which made me think that this is Space London. Space London, yeah. It could be Space London, except it was an enlightened society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a monarchy and a democracy. I don't know. Some interesting things happening. They're like, well, we'll introduce you to them if you help us solve this problem. The problem is the whole planet is populated with these former battle droids. But they've been reprogrammed to become servants, to do all the tasks, to do all the work. So the citizens of Plazir 15 don't have to work. It reminded me of some of the Persian Gulf states where the actual citizens don't do shit. They just get paid to be citizens. Mm. But of course, there's a huge underclass of immigrants from the Philippines and from the Indian subcontinent that have to do all the work that the locals will not do. It was very reminiscent of that to me. Or the cruise ship in Wally, where everybody's in a chair and doesn't do anything. Oh, yes. Shout out to Wally. Absolutely. There was this one line that did make me laugh. Jack Black is very adamant. I don't know how this could have happened. Lizzo says something about there's something going on here. And Jack Black assures her there couldn't be something going on because I personally oversaw the program. <laughs> the way he pronounces program, program, I laughed. I laughed actually pretty hard. Basically, you got to take out these faulty malfunctioning battle droids and help them fix this problem so they can go back to a safe and secure society. Okatan says, what do you think? And Din says, you had me at battle droids. <laughs> Which is, of course, straight from... Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. you had me at hello. Lizzo wants to hold Grogu. Din says he doesn't like new people, but then she holds up a snack. Grogu does a little flip and then hangs out with them and plays weird space croquet for the rest of the episode and cheats. And when he does the flip, moments after saying he doesn't like strangers. Okay, yes. Din does the bus Killington. Deep sigh, and my only thought was Amin made that same noise at the same exact moment. Except I did it when I saw Lizzo. (laughs) It reminded me of Book of Boba Fett, where they gave us 
what's his name? Thunderwolf or whatever. Thundercat. Oh, yeah, Thundercat. Why? Who needs this? Why do we need over the top? I guess we dodged a blaster bolt because Lizzo didn't sing. Yeah, I was worried she'd play the flute. James Madison's crystal flute. We're going to go investigate. Now the Law & Order episode starts. The Mandalorian sound effect kind of sounds like the Law & Order chimes, if you think about it. Go down and we see the head of security, and it's none other than Doc Brown with the biggest ears you ever done saw. And I think those are his actual ears, Maze. Yes, I would imagine they are his actual ears, I mean. Damn. Commissioner Hellgate. Yep. Not a suspicious name at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Explains to us and shows us some exposition video of droids malfunctioning including the chef droid with the spinning knives and he says i don't know go talk to the ugnats downstairs so then they go downstairs and they talk to the ugnats the ugnats don't want to talk back they don't give a shit mando's shit talking all the droids he says see what happens when you trust droids this is reinforcing his hatred of droids and then he knows how to talk to the ugnats because of our guy quill I have spoken. Yep. He speaks Ugnat is what I wrote, which is just saying everything as a definitive statement and then ending it with I have spoken. And so the Ugnats open up to him, explain, look, we don't know what's going on, but here's a list of the ones that have been malfunctioning. And he explains to Bo-Katan that you can't accuse them of malfunctioning because then that reflects badly on their worksmanship and they're very, very prideful about that. All right, so then they go to another place and we go see the droids. Loading the docks or something. Bo says this on Battle Droids. I haven't seen these since the Clone Wars. And Din says, I have. And I said, who hurt you? (laughs) And then she asks him, any of them look suspicious? And he says, they all look suspicious. Oh. And I said, who hurt you again? Racism. Starts messing with them. And shoving them and waving his hand in front of them and basically trying to annoy them. And many people have pointed out this is exactly like Will Smith in iRobot. He doesn't trust the robots and he goes downstairs and he starts pulling his gun on different robots until he sees one peek its head and then he chases it. And sure thing, one of these destroyer super battle droids hits him back and then runs away. And Maze, I've never seen any of these assholes run in my life. All of a sudden, they're Carl Lewis. They're fast. All the three prequels and the Clone Wars TV show, seven seasons, they jut side to side and hold up their blaster and very mechanically. And now this dude is doing parkour. Yeah. It looks like the Boston Dynamics robot dogs. Well, it's because they've been reprogrammed, I mean. You see, the Separatists didn't want them to run. Now, now, now see, the Separatists, the Count Dooku... Uh, he didn't want you to run, but uh, I, I would like to see all the droids uh, be able to compete in the decathlon. And this droid certainly did that. Droid decathlon. We got a chase scene. They're chasing the droid through the city. The city's very nice. They catch it. Yeah, and they catch it. I did like this, though. Bo-Katan finds a spark pad, which is essentially a matchbook. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I did like the part where Bo-Katan, instead of vaulting over a little bit of rubbish in her way. She uses her jetpack. Seems like they could have just used the jetpack to the whole time catch the super battle droid, but whatever. Where's Mando's jetpack? Did you notice he didn't have I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, he just had his cape on. He left it behind on this mission. Yeah, because the cape is so practical. <laughs> of course, yeah, keep that, but don't bring the jetpack. 
You dumbass. Sparkpad Matchbook says the resistor. That must be a droid bar. Look, it's got an address. So they go to this droid bar. They walk in. All the droids get quiet when they walk in. Yep, which was funny. A reverse of what happened on Mos Eisley when they go to the cantina where the bartender says, we don't like their kind in here, which I always used to wonder about. What the hell? Because there's no other, like, droid racism that happens in the rest of the original trilogy. And now knowing about the Clone Wars, it makes sense. The Outer Rim is like, that shit. Droids are not going to be around here anymore. They play good cop, bad cop with the droid bartender, except Mando is, instead of bad cop, he's totally unhinged cop. He reminds me of Will Ferrell in... The other guys. Yeah, or Cobra in that montage where he's going around town shaking people up. He's just awful, and she's got to pull him aside and be like, dude, are you okay, man? Dude, chill. He's taking the case too personally. Turns out the bartender wants to help. We find out that they all drink Nepenthe, which is a reference to the Odyssey. I mean, it was a drug of forgetfulness. As they described it, it reminded me a little bit of nostalgia Mm -hmm. from Watchmen. Yes. This thing that you take that makes you feel good and forget about things. Also reminded me of the Mind Flare. Excuse me, not the Mind Flare. I mean, how many times do I have to tell you is that it's lowest setting? Okay? It's a 602 mitigator, excuse me. It's a mitigator. It's not a flare. The 602 mitigator, completely different thing. But this whole thing, this whole idea of taking your anxieties away by making you remember some other shit. It's a drug. All of these are junkies. All of these robots here are junkies. Then they go to some lab slash the morgue. There's a scientist that helps them out. That's what's her name from Creme. Jen Kober is the lab tech. They do some autopsy work. Now we're doing CSI, and we find out that the Nepente has nanobots in there actively reprogramming the droids, including the droid that's in the room with them right there. It goes off with some lasers. Everyone takes cover, and then Mando pulls out the Darksaber. Remember that? Oh. Remember this thing? He hasn't touched or mentioned. So he brought that on this mission. Without a jetpack. We find out that the nanobots are from the Techno Union. Techno Union is from the prequels. The Separatists were all the planets that were kind of sick and tired of the hypocrisy of the Republic how concentrated power was on Coruscant and tariffs and taxations was the big reason for the separatists. And the main culprits beyond planets that were sick of the Republic were all the unions, the trade union, the techno union, all the unions. They weren't happy about it. And the techno union were also the number one manufacturer of all the droids everywhere. Hence, when this thing escalated to armed conflict, They had a shit ton of battle droids because, hey, that's what we do. I love sports. I love beer. I love watching sports and drinking beer at the same time. So when I turn on a hockey game and need something to quench my thirst, I reach for the beer that only has 96 calories. Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. It was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one. Miller Lite has more of the taste that you want and less of the stuff that you don't. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. The original light beer since 1975. Times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. 
Remember the best vacation you've ever taken? Make your next one even better with Get Your Guide. With Get Your Guide, you can book over 100,000 unforgettable experiences in the U.S. and around the world. Want to see the Grand Canyon from a helicopter? They got you. Watching a wrestling match in Mexico City? No problem. Or how about a guided tour of Rome's ancient ruins? Wherever you're going, whatever you're into, book your next travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The autopsy reveals the nanobots. The nanobots come from the techno union because they some reason wrote their name all over the shit. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. And who's a member of the techno union? It's none other than Doc Brown from the beginning of the story. Oh, come on. You guys are unscarable. Go back upstairs to confront Doc Brown. Doc Brown points to a red button that earlier he lied to them and told them if he hits this button, it shuts down all the droids in the city, which would have been a nice solution, except for the fact the citizens of Plazir 15 don't want to give up their life of chilling and not having to do shit. But then he reveals in this scene, what it does is it reverts the programming of all the droids in the city. Now, Maze, how is that possible if the Nepenthe was the thing that made these droids go crazy and it was a particular batch of Nepenthe that did it? How is it now all the droids can go crazy just like that? Well, we don't actually find out because he doesn't get to push the button because Bo-Katan zaps him and he gets knocked out. But yes, it is quite silly. We've got this whole elaborate Nepenthe nanobot plot that is undermined by a fail-safe switch. And Doc Brown is a separatist. He's a Dooku truther. Curses the Republican, the Empire, and now the New Republic. Here's another question. If he's a separatist trying to bring down this shit, why did he do it gradually? Why didn't he just hit the button and take over the planet? Yeah, you know what? You're asking uh, too many questions. I mean, let's okay. not think about this too hard. He's the bad guy. We found him. We stopped him. They solved the problem. Bring him back to Lizzo and Jack Black. And they say, how could you do this? And he says, if that isn't the Quacta calling the, the Stifler. On the yes, my autocorrect is Stifler is quite slimy. It's the Stifling, the Stifling slimy. So young Stifler is a Stifling. When did we hear this before, Maze? This is the very same quote. Oh, our guy Boba talking to Cad Bane. Cad Bane said it. Boba, if it isn't a quack, they're calling the Stifling slimy. He's very brash and very proud, unapologetic. And then Lizzo says, "How could you do this?" And he says, "I'm sorry." And I'm like, what? They take him away, but not Din and Bo-Katan, who are the only armed individuals in the city. He just walks away in little droids that are about the size of my shins. Wheel him away. That's it? That's all you got? Yeah, they're going to exile him to the moon of Paraquat. A Paraquat is like a herbicide, which I'll always remember from the Big Lebowski when he calls the Big Lebowski a human Paraquat because... It's extinguishing his high. Okay. Bizarre. 
Weird references in this episode, man. Sure. It was written by John Favreau, too. I can't even blame it on someone someone else. You did this, Favreau. You know who we can blame? Let's blame Bryce Dallas Howard. I uh, love to give her crap. Yeah. She directed it. It's her fault. Yeah, she directed it, but I can't blame those cheeks. We go see the rest of the Mandalorians. They're just chilling outside in a field by their ships. All their ships They've are got parked. So many ships. They got the big Imperial cruiser. The one they stole from Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. Bo Katan comes back and says, Hey, I'm here to lead you. And Axe Woves is like, That's funny, because I kind of lead these guys here. And she says, I challenge you to the a duel. Very 20 CB. She slaps him with a glove across the face. They fight. They use all their weapons. Seems like they're shooting to kill. Yep. Shooting missiles and stuff. Including some friendly fight. Because there's some spectator Mandalorians who are watching this happen who almost get hit a couple of times. They have to duck out of the way. Also, if the deal is, I got to work for whoever wins this shit. Like, I don't know, man. Start it out. Let me know. But they're like, oh, oh, they're doing the kind of grimaces like they're rooting for a side or something. Uh, of course, Bo-Katan defeats him. And Axe Wolves turns and says to her, why the hell are you fighting me? You want to leave the Mandalorians? You need the dark saber. You should be fighting his ass. And I was like, oh, oh. He said it. Here we go, Maze. <laughs> he said it. He said it. All right. He said what we've all been talking about. I thought she was going to turn with murder in her eyes. Give me that damn dark saber. And he tries to give it to her, and she says, that's not how it works, no matter how well your intentions are. Like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. Here we go, battle royale. And no, Bando gives us the biggest technicality loophole excuse in the history of Star Wars. They showed the recap of him getting captured by the eyeball robot guy and her getting the Darksaber. They showed that in the previously on. Yeah. So that got the gears turning for me right there and I said oh no are they gonna retroactively do this sure enough here we are here's the tough part maze usually I ask what's the end game Spence the end game is to do it in front of the other Mandalorians no what's the conflict the whole season there's zero conflict there's some pirates we took care of them there's a guy on Mandalore we took care of him Mandalore's toxic we're good we took care of it droid on the loose we took care of it there's some monsters that are eating all the Mandalorians with the care of them. There's no overarching threat. You gonna give me Moff Gideon in the last two episodes? Why? For what? So you can take care of him too? Would you have preferred it if it played out like it was teased where Bo and Din are contentious as opposed to semi-flirty this whole season? I didn't need it to play out any way other than... You have to come to the hard realization, the only way I get this sword is through combat, and you got the sword, mf or you got to fight me. That's the only way that works, or at least if it were presented that way earlier in the season. And then he has his adventure on Mandalore, and then she saves him, and then right then and there, it's like, well, technically, you got the juice now. <laughs> I'd rather play out that way than, wait a second, wait a second, what if, what if? it's like an eighth grader trying to do their homework last minute. Or their book report. Why were we too lazy to come up with a season-long arc that made sense? I don't get it. I don't get any part of this. There was no tension at all in this season from episode to episode other than the Dr. Pershing episode. And even that was self-contained. Mm -hmm. Someone sent me this on Instagram. Oh, no, we can't do our mission because we're out of milk. 
Guess we better get some of this new planet. Hey, we just need to get some milk. We don't like Mandalorians, but we'll give you some milk if you kill the warlord monster bandit that's been using our Wi-Fi. Okay, well, here's your milk. Wait a second. Oh no, Baby Yoda drank all the milk. That's what the Mandalorian has become. File. <laughs> Baby Yoda drank the milk. <laughs> Who saw that coming? Ah! Oh, we forgot to mention that he was knighted into the ancient order of independent oh. regencies, I mean. Get the f off my screen. Sir Grogu. Get off my plane. <laughs> I was so done with them at that point. Look, man, this wasn't as bad as... Ragnar gets kidnapped by the bird raptor lizard guy. But we're not going to move. But this was not great. They literally had to come up with a side mission to delay this scene with Axe Woves and turn that into a whole episode. They just made all this stuff up. Things were going so well last week. All the threads are starting to come together. I was like, okay, five episodes in. There's only three left. Here we go. This is going to be a nice little narrative that's going to tie up this season. Nope. Nope. Could they not just think of anything compelling? You think it's writer's block? I don't think it's writer's block. I don't know what it is. They're still on top of the Star Wars franchise streaming monstrosity. They still have carte blanche to do whatever they want. For whatever reason, this is what they wanted to do. They wanted Lizzo. That's what you're telling me? Yeah. They wanted Lizzo and Jack Black. They did a screen test and they're like, she's awesome. Cast her. Bring on Moff Gideon. Let's go. Let's get to it. Let's go to Mandalore. Let's take all the ships. I think Moff Gideon's with another faction, which we probably could have gotten to this week, but they didn't want to deal with it. So we'll see what happens next time. That's going to do it for us here at Dutta Beats Rule of Two. Two episodes left. Once that's done, Mace, it's going to be a while before we get more Star Wars, huh? Yes, as of now, we have no release date for Ahsoka. Oh, you know what? Star Wars Celebration is happening this weekend. Tomorrow, we get the making of Andor Season 1. Saturday, we get the panel on Ahsoka. I don't believe they're going to live stream this. You have to be there in attendance to see this. I believe it's in London. They're going to have the whole panel. They're going to have Rosario Dawson. They're going to have whoever's playing Sabine Wren. They're going to have Dave Filoni out there. They're going to answer questions. And then typically what they do is they show a trailer and then they'll show like the first 15 minutes of an episode or sometimes they'll show the whole first episode. If you remember a year ago, Maze, Star Wars Celebration showed us the first trailer for Ahsoka. They still haven't released that to the public. They also have a 40 Years of Return of the Jedi anniversary panel. They've got a panel on Sunday, Villains of the Sequel Trilogy, a look back at Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, and Disney Parks where Star Wars comes to life. And then finally, on Monday, we get The Bad Batch and Visions Volume 2, which, if you guys remember, was the non-canon animations that utilize a lot of manga and anime studios from Japan. This year, they're opening it up to studios from around the world. Even though it's not canon, it was fun. It's fun little short episodes. I enjoyed them. There you have it. That's going to do it for Dothan Means Rule of Two. Till next time. Price is high, but we are very good at what we do.
I love sports. I love beer. I love watching sports and drinking beer at the same time. So when I turn on a hockey game and need something to quench my thirst, I reach for the beer that only has 96 calories. Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. It was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one. Miller Lite has more of the taste that you want, and less of the stuff that you don't. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. The original light beer since 1975. Times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces.